the way that we set this up last week, we talked about um, we talked about um, three buckets, which is a unique way to look at how we can move together in the unity of the faith and be able to process some of the secondary and 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 third issues, but still stay together in the first issues as as a body and not having to divide over those points of disagreement. And if you didn't listen to that message, I want to ask you, I want to compel you, I want to beg you, please go back and listen to that message because it is of vital importance for us as a family. So if, you know, if there were one message that I would say, just make sure you listened to this in 23, that would be the one. Um, they're all very important. They're all helpful, I hope, and we put a lot of work into them. But this last message is really vital for us, and you're going to hear more about it as we go because we feel like it's a great grid for how we can stay together in the unity of the faith and not have to divide over secondary issues um, that are really, really important and need to be grappled with, but that we don't need to be confused about whether or not we're even allowed to stay together as a church family. Amen? And so, so we, we wanted to share that as Jason and I were putting this together and we were working with the pastoral team and the elders and we talked this through. We actually talked this through with the elders before we preached that message. We said, we feel like this is a good grid that we wanna use this idea of three buckets. And, and just, I am gonna quickly summarize, but go listen to the message because me summarizing does not equal the message. Jason brought a phenomenal first part and um, didn't use enough words, so I made up for it in the second part and together you got it all. Uh, but but the, the long and the short of it is, is that as followers of Christ, essentially there are three buckets. The first bucket are the absolute essential parts of the faith. Christ and him crucified came in the flesh, died and rose again, the only way to the Father, fulfilled the scriptures, and anyone who believes in him, repents from their sins, confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, will be saved that the scriptures are the inspired word of God and they are for us to become disciples of Christ then we will follow the scriptures and that is the essentials of the faith. Are you with me? That's the first bucket. And if you believe that, you're, a, you are, you are saved and I can look at you and I can go, you're a fellow brother or sister in Christ. We've been adopted through Christ Jesus and I'm not gonna question your salvation over some of the second bucket issues which would be some of the distinctives of when people come together as a family, uh, the way that we practice and the things that we focus on within the kingdom, those would be like a second bucket issue. For instance, at Christ Center, we like to take communion on Sundays. We do it every Sunday. We think it's really important to preach the gospel through taking communion. Other churches don't take communion on Sundays. We don't assume that because they don't take communion on Sundays that they're not actually believers. Are you with me? They have a different tradition, but they are definitely saved, so we don't have to question their salvation. Third bucket issues are a whole lot of other ways and strategies and tactics of how to extend the kingdom on earth, and there is a variance of how we would accomplish that and so we're able to have a grid so we can talk those things through. That's the long and the short of it. Well, actually, it's not the long of it. It's just the short of it. And so we wanted to, we wanted to present that for this reason. You guys, we went through a very hard season together in this last three years. It has been an extraordinarily divisive time. And, and not just across race lines, not just across socioeconomic lines, not just across political lines, but this last season has cut across familial lines. 
You know, like I know of people whose kids told them, because of who you voted for last election, I will no longer speak with you. Talk about making something a first bucket issue. Whoa. There are people that because of, of their feelings about masks didn't get to see their family the entire time. And they're still begrudged and separated over that. Whoa. There are, there are relationships that have been incredibly strained through this last season. And how many of you guys know that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy? How many of you guys would be willing to entertain the idea that perhaps Satan is trying to take advantage of this season to divide people? He hates you. Do you know why he hates you? Because you look like your daddy, and your daddy is God, and you remind him of your God, your papa, and he hates you for it. Are you with me? You guys are made in God's image. Satan hates you, and he wants to do anything that he can to destroy us, anything that he can. It says, when, in fact, Jesus said of the devil, he is a liar, and when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he has always been a liar. Okay, he's also called the accuser of the brethren. We are the brethren. We are the people of God, and he's the accuser. He comes and accuses us to each other all of the time and gives us the impression that we should get everyone else a bad faith reading. Can you believe that way the person just looked at you? Oh, how rude. You should think the worst of them. Are you with me? Has anybody ever experienced these accusations? Whispering in your ears, seeking to divide. And so as we've gone through this season, last week we spoke of how can we move forward while we are grappling with very real issues. So we're not saying that we don't grapple with how to move forward. We don't, we don't just ignore everything. We have to move forward. We have to be able, but we have to be able to talk about it so that we can move forward together. Are you, is, that, is that fair? And we have to be able to have a grid so we can have really hard conversations so that we can move forward together, so that we can actually meet the needs of our neighbors, of our families, of our cities, of our states, of our nation, of the world. We, that's not a simple thing. How many of you guys noticed that it's not very simple, is it? It's a very complex life that we live in. Things get compounded. And in this season, there have been a lot of mean things said. There have been a lot of really hard things that we have been through. And I don't know about you guys, but I got my heart broken a few times in the last three years. Anybody else? I'm gonna share a couple stories with you and I wanna jump into this, but what, but what I would like to suggest is a couple of things, and then, I, and then I want us to respond. We're gonna have some time where we, go, where we go vertical and do some business with the Lord here at the, at the end of this message. And, and you can pray, and if God is willing, it'll even be a short message. But if it's not, the Lord willed it. I'd like to suggest, number one, that we have had some wounds inflicted upon us in this last season. Is that fair? Number two, 
I think all of us would like to move on, just get on with it, right? Does anybody else want to go back and just be like, just get down and dirty? Some of us are wired like that. We actually like to go back. We're like, we need to talk this thing through. I think most of us, and I'm one of those weirdos, right? I'm just like, head towards the pain, baby. That's where the treasure is. But most of us are like, get away from it. Like, that's the snake that bit us. Why don't we just put it in a barrel and then never open the barrel? Is anybody else a little, yeah. Neither of those is probably 100% right. I would like to suggest that, that, that just moving on without allowing there to be healing is not going to be the wisest choice for us. That there's a couple of steps we have to take in order to move on. Can you accept that? I'm gonna share a story with you. There was a, there was a guy that at a certain point in his life, um, he, he had, I believe it was his left arm, he, he, um, he woke up one day and his left arm was completely frozen. He just could not, he couldn't use the arm anymore. And he's, I think he was in his 50s at that point, um, and his arm just froze. And so he starts going to the doctors and he's seeking healing for this arm. And so first he, he checks with one, before, first he starts with the general practitioner and they're like, doing everything they can. They x-ray it, they check it. There's no cancer, there's no, uh, no things that they can see, so then they send him to the next specialist. They can't find out what's up there. It's not neurological. They're trying to figure out what, what is happening, but this arm will not move. And finally, he goes through all of the aspects of, of inquiry to find out what is going on with this arm, and, and finally, the specialists say, you know, I we don't know what to do with you, but this is not medically, there's no medical reason why this arm is frozen. I think maybe this might be like psychosomatic. This might be something that's going on psychologically. And so, so he goes and begins to meet with a therapist. And as he begins to meet with a therapist, he finally, it, it begin, the therapist just begins to start asking questions, etc. And what he ends up discovering is that this man was a combat veteran and he had been in a situation where they were under fire and he, he had been wounded and in defending the enemy had come over and he had tried to lift his arm to protect his friend. Good night, I didn't see this coming. Mm, 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 mm. And he couldn't get it up in time and, and his friend was killed because his arm was wounded. And he had cursed that arm every day since. I'm going to have to be able to talk, Lord, in order to do this. And eventually what had happened is even though he had healed, he, he, he wasn't able to forgive himself for having not been able to protect his friend. Now, he himself was wounded. I think actually he had been left for dead, as I recall. But he never forgave himself. And so his arm, his, his, his brain told his body that that worthless arm was not worthy, and it actually ceased to work. And so he had to work through the trauma of having been unable to protect his, his fellow friend. Whew. You wanna finish? <laughs> oh. And then as he was able to work through that wounding, now he had been physically wounded, but he had been emotionally wounded, and he didn't, he didn't go back and deal with that. 
And then as he went through and he dealt with the trauma, he regained function of his arm. He was able to work through the fact that he, in fact, had tried his best to protect his friend, but he himself was wounded and he wasn't able to protect his friend and it wasn't his fault. And he was able to forgive himself for his, his weakness. You know, there were layers to this and that's not really the point of this conversation, but there was a process of accepting reality as it was of accepting his own humanity, being able to forgive himself. Had he been able to, uh, he would have protected his friend's life. Of course, like any of us would have, but he wasn't able to, so he had to, pro- he had to accept his weakness. He had to accept his wounding. He had to accept reality. And then he had to be able to let himself, he had to forgive himself. And he had to work through survivor's guilt that he had lived and his friend had not. And after he went through the emotional healing, he physically then regained use of his arm. What an incredible story of what trauma can do. I believe that story is in the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, which I, I highly recommend. Um, and, uh, so there's a story of, of uh, the word trauma, it means wound, just for, for those of you. Uh, that actually helped me because to tell you the truth, how many of you guys have heard the word trigger, right? It's a really popular word right now. I get triggered by the word trigger uh, because usually I feel like it's overused, you know, just if you want to empathize with me. I don't know if other people empathize with that, but because this is, you know what, I, I'm detracting. Let me just stay on, let me just stay. Um, but what happens is trauma, it, it comes from the word wound. And for me, that, that, I, I like that, that's helpful because both the word trigger and trauma right now, although they're true, they're used so often, it's dangerously close to just becoming cliche. And I wanna invite you guys to maybe set aside, if you're like me and maybe feeling a little triggered by triggers and traumas, I'd like to reintroduce this very important topic that God wants to heal, because how many of you know he came to bind up the wounded? He came to heal the brokenhearted. So it's a wound that we have, that we have received and it has, to be, it has to be healed, it has to be dealt with because if you don't deal with it, it will continue to be infected and pe- you might not be able to see it. That's the thing about trauma. That's the thing about these kinds of wounds. They're not on the outside, they're on the inside. They, fi- they find their way to the outside. And for this guy, so that was a huge story, right? This whole arm that froze up because he was so unable to forgive himself. I wanna tell you another story. I have a dear friend, his name is Brian McGregor. He's with the Lord now, I believe, I believe, because God's grace is so amazing. But when I was 17, I met Brian McGregor when he was 16. I worked at McDonald's with him, and uh, I was in high school, and we became dear friends, and I got to lead him to the Lord. And so we started our lives together. Karen and I actually lived with Brian and Tracy, um, for like nine months when we, were, when we were first married, we were all broke together. How many of you guys have got friends you were broke with, right? Those are your dear friends. You're like, mm-hmm, eating spam and ramen. Anyway, and he and I, we did everything together. We got our contractor's license together. We did a lot of things together. But as time went on, something started happening and, and here's what it was essentially. We both began, became, started to become aware of some woundings that had happened in our lives and I started going towards the pain and bringing other people into my life and seeking healing and seeking at transparency and hope and he just kept avoiding the pain and he just kept drinking 
more and more and more and more. Now, we both used to drink together, and we both used to drink too much together. And I started realizing, this is too much, to, this is too much drinking. So I changed and started going, what's causing this? And he was like, I'm not doing that. We're not going to go after any of those cute words like trauma or triggered or wounding or any of that business. I'm going to just keep drinking. Well, he died. He just died. He was 45 years old. He just died on my wife's birthday, June 28th, on his, which also was his ex-wife's birthday. He absolutely just destroyed his life. He drank himself to death, and his body just shut down, drank himself to the point of cirrhosis of the liver. All the rest of his body finally ended, and, and his body could no longer fight the amount of alcohol and abuse that he was giving to it, and he just passed away. I'm 46. He's present with the Lord. Now he died at 45. What an, it, I, it's so personal, it's so personal to me because this is my friend. This is my friend, but he didn't, he didn't take the wounding seriously. The last, I had two conversations with him before he died. The second to last conversation, I was asking him, I said, I'm really, really worried about you, Brian. And I, I said, I, I'm, I'm concerned, man. Like, I'm really concerned. Like, you are a high-functioning alcoholic, but you are scaring me, man. And I want to know what's going on. And, and in that conversation he shared with me, uh, it was a long conversation, but the main thing that he said was, the last thing I remember my dad ever saying to my mom was, I don't even know if he's mine. Think about that. Think about that wound. That's, a, that's quite a wound, isn't it? <laughs> And then the last time that I talked with him, we, we, we were able to, he, he got very angry with me and we didn't talk for a long time, but the last time that we had talked with him was years ago, years ago. And we were able to have a good conversation, but that, 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 that conversation stuck with me. And he, he never went towards seeing that wound healed. And it had the power un, un, unhealed, that trauma, hey bud. That trauma had the power to kill him because it went untreated. Are you guys with me? So we just went through some intense wounding together. I don't know if you guys know that. But here's some interesting things I want to tell you about walking through different, you know, disasters, different things that go on. Because how many of you guys know it's not what happens to you in this life that hurts you or that makes all the difference, it's your response to what happens to you. It's what you believe about life and about yourself and about others that makes all the difference. That's where, that's where wounding, that's where trauma makes all the difference is what you believe after what it happens to you. <laughs> Following major wounding, people frequently feel stunned Disoriented, this is from the uh, American Psychological Association. It's just some common things. See if, see if, see if any, try these on for size. See if they uh, feel familiar. Following disaster, people frequently feel stunned, disoriented, or unable to integrate distressing information. Once these initial reactions subside, people can experience a variety of thoughts and behaviors. Here's some common responses. Number one, intense or unpredictable feelings. You may be anxious, nervous, overwhelmed, or grief-stricken. You may also feel more irritable or moody than usual. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, you can raise your hand for your spouse or for your kids. Just be like, 
All right. Intense, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, changes to thoughts and behavior patterns. You might have repeated and vivid memories of the event. These memories may occur for no apparent reason and they may lead to physical reactions such as rapid heartbeat or sweating. It may be difficult to concentrate or make decisions. Sleep and eating patterns can also be disrupted. Some people might overeat and oversleep while other people experience a loss of sleep and a loss of appetite. Sound familiar to anybody in the last few years? Sensitivity to environmental factors. Sirens, loud noises, burning smells. Do you guys remember when it was Mars during COVID? Remember when all the fires were happening? There was a day where I walked outside and it was just flipping orange. I'm wearing my mask because I can't breathe through the smoke. And I'm just like, really? Like, really? I, honestly, I'm like, what's next? Leprosy? Me and the Lord had a talk that day. I kind of just hit the wall, you know? And to this day, like somebody will have a burn pile going, I'll be like, oh no, come on, is summer ruined again? Come on. Memories of disaster creating heightened anxiety. These triggers might be accompanied by fears that the stressful event will be repeated. Anybody have little things lately that you just, like, you'll just, it happens, you're sort of like, <laughs> come on. All right, strained interpersonal relationships. I think that's what we were just talking about a minute ago. Increased conflict, such as more frequent disagreements with family members and coworkers can occur. You might also become withdrawn, isolated, or disengaged from your usual social activities. Say ouch or amen, huh? Sheesh. Stress-related physical symptoms, headaches, nausea, and chest pain may occur, and they could require medical attention. And pre-existing medical conditions are sometimes affected. So like something just kind of gets worked up again, right? It's like, ah, I'm a trick knee. <laughs> My ulcer. Your body is responding. It's a, it's a response to that stress. It's a response to that wound. You guys, we went through a lot together. We went through a lot together. Now, there's some interesting things. I want to go a little bit further. See, the first impact of wounding, the first impact of wounding when you go through it is actually if, you, if, you, if you're not dealing with it in a healthy way. Okay, so we're going to talk about not healthy and then we're going to go into healthy and we're going to take some time to pray here. But the first one is you disconnect from yourself, right? Right? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Are you sure? I said I'm fine. You're fine. You're great, right? Denial. The second one is that you start to disconnect from others. It's like, you know what? I don't need this right now. I don't need a bunch of people in their opinions. I don't need to disagree with anyone, et cetera. Sort of a protection thing, but you're starting to disconnect from others. The third thing that happens with unresolved wounding, right, is then you begin to have an, alter, an altered view of the world. You might suddenly believe that the world is dangerous and hostile. It starts to distort your view of reality in a negative way, right? You just start to get this like, everybody's an idiot, right? It's like, I think probably if you have a distorted view of the world, it probably shows up when you're driving. Come on. A couple of you just got saved, huh? It's like revival's breaking out in your heart. I need Jesus if that's what's happening. Okay. What'll happen if we don't go after this is a life filled with ongoing pain. These untreated wounds, you are gonna have pain until you deal with it. 
And medicating is not gonna work because all that medicating does is make you ignore it for a time and you will either exaggerate it because you're all like, oh my God, I've had too much to drink and the pain is so bad, but you didn't heal anything. You just have the amplifier on now, right? You're just talking loud about the same pain, but nothing's getting healed. Somebody needs to hear that. All right. The next thing that happens is you actually stop having cognitive development. You stop growing. You can't get beyond it because you're seeing everything through the lens of that wounding. It begins to start shaping the way you view the world. It actually starts to stunt you. And if you have kids, guys, how many of you guys know that children are not born with self-regulation? It has to be trained. And triggered, traumatized parents who can't self-regulate don't do a super good job training little kids who yet don't know how to self-regulate. So then we start creating that next level business, all right? So this is important for us to take this serious to say, okay, Lord, what do you wanna do here? And then, here's this, this one's painful. You start having a shame-based view of yourself. I shouldn't be like this. I should, why am I not over this yet? I shouldn't act like this. I shouldn't feel like this. How many of you ever, right? I shouldn't feel like this. I shouldn't feel like this. But you do feel like this. And here's one, this, one, this one's mine. You guys can claim it if you want to, but they wrote this one for me. Difficulty being present. Difficulty being present, right? All of the diagnoses out there, ADD, ADHD, I'm not making light of that. I'm saying, think about how hard it is for so many of us to be present. And some of that is oftentimes rooted in trauma, untreated, unresolved wound. There's a um, psychologist that I'm really enjoying, and he had this quote, as we heal and we begin to walk in health, we dare to show up as our authentic, vulnerable self. That is scary, huh? How many of you, I'm gonna show up as my authentic, yeah, you're fine with that word, right? No problem there. What's the next word? Vulnerable. My authentic self isn't vulnerable. I will never be hurt again. You know, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me again, you won't. Right? No, but here's the thing, guys. We are absolutely vulnerable. And the only way to be present is to dare to be our authentic, vulnerable self. And you can't do that and protect yourself from the fear of being wounded again at the same time. Here's the good news. We can heal. You can't become unwoundable. That's the lie that trauma tries to tell you. I will become unwoundable. And what you become is very, very sick you can be healed and be your authentic, vulnerable self again. And you will be wounded again, but guess what? You're gonna have tools you're gonna, and you have a God and you have people around you and you will heal. And you'll do it over and over and over again. And guess what? 
It's, you're not going to get wounded as, as often as you're scared that you will. If you think about it, most of us only have a couple of major wounds that we're still responding to. It's not that we got wounded 10,000 times, it's that we got wounded in one particular way. It may have been several times, but it was one particular way. Are you with me? Or maybe just a few. It's not a, it's not a very long list. If you dare to look at it, it's not a very long list. But it has not been healed yet. So, here's what we're gonna do. First of all, this is just a step. I'm just asking you if you'll consider taking a step towards becoming, daring to become your authentic, vulnerable self, daring to go towards the place of the wounding, daring to admit to yourself, I'm not okay yet. I'm not okay yet. I'm not over it. I haven't actually moved on. In fact, what a lot of us do, we think that we're responding to the present, but we're actually still reacting to the past. What does God say to us? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says this, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In Psalm 34, he says, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is this is, this is what healing, this is the invitation, this is what healing looks like. This is the invitation into healing. That the Lord says, let me heal you where you've been wounded. So the first step is we have to admit, I'm in pain. I, I'm still affected by something that I, I didn't want to be affected by it. Maybe if I just pretend like I wasn't, then maybe that will make me big and powerful. But I think we've established that's just not so. We, we have to come towards him and say, Lord, help me. I'm going to admit that I'm wounded. I'm going to admit that I, don't, I think I'm responding to the present, but in light of what I just heard today, amen, and your history, now that you're being honest with yourself, I'm still reacting to certain events and what I've believed about them now. And I'm not actually able to be my authentic, vulnerable self. It's hard for me to be present with myself. It's hard for me to be present with others. And it's hard for me to be present with God. Lord, come close to me. I'm brokenhearted. I need you to save me. I have a crushed spirit in a certain place. This is what, this is what we do. Part, part of this is what we do in the Sozo Ministries when we come in and let the Lord speak to us about places where we have received wounds in this life and we've believed a lie about what happened. We were right about the event, but our math doesn't add up about what we now believe. And we simply come in and exchange how we thought it happened to how God sees it happening. In restoration ministries, we go back and we say, where was I hurt? What did I believe about that? What did the enemy tell me about that? What did I tell me about that? What did maybe others tell me about that? And is it true? And we begin to let the Lord heal us. In counseling, when you meet with a counselor, it's the same thing. They're using the same tools. These are all unique. I mean, I, I encourage you, do all of it. As, as is needed, do all of it. But they're asking you, what 
I know how you're feeling. I'm hearing how you're feeling. Do you know how you're feeling? Is that true? And you walk through that process. I want to say this. It's a process of healing. But saints, we've got to together acknowledge the wounds that we have received together in this last season so that we can heal and that we can respond to one another, being present with one another and not reacting to what happened during the election. Not what happened during the race riot stuff. Not what happened during COVID and then the response to COVID, right? I mean, even as I'm saying that, right? How many of you kind of felt your blood pressure rise a little bit? And so what I wanna do is I wanna invite you to take a step today. Uh, Josh and, uh, and uh, Tyler, will you guys come? To take a step today and, and, and we're just gonna do we're just gonna do three things. We're gonna close with this. We will have the prayer team come at the end if you'd like some more ministry time, but the way we're gonna do ministry time today is just you and the Lord. We're here together, but we're gonna go vertical, just you and the Lord. And the first thing that, that we have to do is we have to mourn our losses. We have to, it, we have to allow ourselves the honesty to say, where am I wounded? Another way to ask that that might maybe give you a hint here. The first one is this. What thing is it that I am mad or sad about? Some of us like prefer to be mad. How many of you prefer to be mad instead of sad? Seriously, raise your hand. What's your go-to? Mad instead of sad. Okay, wow. How many of you are scared to admit that you get mad while you're in church on Sunday? <laughs> okay. Um, and so, so, so I'm gonna assume the rest of you prefer to be sad instead of mad. I, I prefer to be mad. The way that I like to do it though is this like righteous indignation to protect other people. So I church it up a little bit. But the reality is there's a place, oftentimes, I'm not trying to be so general that we don't even make sense anymore, but I'm saying oftentimes in the area of wounding, it's that, that event or that thing where I keep rehearsing over and over in my mind, that thing that makes me so mad or that thing that makes me so sad. There's a place of wounding. So what I wanna do is we're gonna begin there and we're gonna just, we're gonna pray three times. So this first one now, is I just want you to go vertical with the Lord. Lord, will you show me, show me some of those places where I've suffered loss, where I need to, where I need to mourn my losses. Okay, you know what? I was hurt. It's a wound. It's a loss. It's a place where something happened to me. Something was taken from me. Let him bring up those, you know, those couple of things, those two or three things. Just begin to ask him, Lord, show me the places. Show me the wounds that you want to begin to talk to me about. Show me those.
just going to just say to the Lord, Lord, I need your healing and comfort. I invite your healing and comfort. I admit that I need healing and comfort in this place. the Lord, Lord, what is the next step that you want me to take? What is the next step that you want me to take? It, I, I, I know he's going to talk to you in just a moment, but I want to articulate that for a moment. It may be that he's leading you towards a scheduling a time to meet with the Sozo team and walk through some of these places where you've reacted to a wound and you're believing a lie. It may be that you're signing up for the next restoration class and working through forgiveness and seeing some of the schemes of the enemy. It may be that you need to schedule some time and meet with a counselor for a while. I've, I've been meeting with a counselor again recently. I did it about five years ago and my wife came to me and said, honey, you are catastrophizing things. Everything seems really big to you and that's not how you normally React, And I'm asking you, would you please consider meeting with a counselor for a time? So I've been doing some work and 
and it's been very healthy and helpful to have someone that's not me that listens and asks good questions. And, and so it may be meet with a counselor for a time. It may be that you need to schedule a time. We'd love to meet with you and, and start just having a conversation and help you with that. We're available. It may be that he's bringing a friend to mind. I'm gonna go talk with a friend about this and begin the process and a combination of many things. I'm not trying to be exhaustive here about this list, but when it comes to things like this, our brains tend to shut down a little bit. So I'm just laying out some steps that God might point you towards. Perhaps you might go and buy The Body Keeps the Score and learn a little bit about trauma. Find out why it is that you can't stop drinking or can't stop that sexual addiction or that overeating or that controlling nature, whatever it is. But there are steps towards healing that God has given to us. And it is a process. But you can and you will heal if you'll take those steps towards the wound instead of away. But it will not happen if you ignore it. So today, I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me? What is the next step you would like me to take in this season? Go ahead and ask him. that he's brought to your heart and to your mind right now. I bless you to dare to be who God created you to be. Your true, authentic, vulnerable self, the daughter or the son of God that he's created you to be. I thank you, Father, that the word over each of us is that you are faithful to complete the good work that you've begun in each of us. So I pray for courage and protection and blessing and direction 
and affirmation and comfort as each of us journeys towards you and bravely allows ourselves to heal with your help in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Keep healing. Keep hoping. The worship, I mean, the ministry team is going to come forward. If you'd like more ministry time, we would be honored to serve you. God bless you guys.